Good afternoon, good afternoon, good afternoon. It is Monday, so happy Monday to you. Thank you for tuning in. We have a very special show for you today on Ask Sharifa Videocast, and I am your host, Sharifa Hardy. But before we get into today's show, I'm going to ask you to do what I always ask you to do, and that's go ahead and share this interview because friends do not let friends miss out on Ask Sharifa. And so if you're just now joining us, you can ask questions or make comments in the comment section. I'll be sure to go ahead and read your thoughts to today's guest. And today we're going to learn a little bit more about what's going on in the publishing world. We have an academic editor and author as today's guest, Ms. Miriam Verbeck. Good afternoon, Miriam. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you for having me on the show. You are so welcome. Thank you for joining us. Now, I was looking through your information and I was really intrigued. You write about fantasy. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm um, a fantasy author. Um, look, I've, I've always wanted to write, you know, ever since before I could even read and write, I was already creating stories in my head. Mm -hmm. And um, I. And then I learned how to read and I learned how to write and um, then life took off, you know, I sort of did all sorts of other things and I was always writing. I've got a filing cabinet full of stories and now I've got a computer full of stories. Mm -hmm. And then I hit 60 and I thought, this is crazy. I've never written anything. I mean, I've written lots, but I've never published anything. And I've got this wealth of experience behind me now of, um, well, all my job experience, my academic experience, and I thought, now, wouldn't it be fun to put all of that together into a story? So I've created a, um, a fantasy world, and uh, it has a, a lot of things in there from my world experience in it. Wow, it sounds interesting. I want to talk a little bit more about your book and about the fantasy life, but you're an academic editor. What made you decide to publish books in the fantasy world or even create a fantasy world? You, you remind me of J.K. Rowling for, for, for some reason. What made you decide to go that route? Um, I'm a very eclectic reader, okay? So mm -hmm. I, I enjoy reading almost the whole lot. I don't, I don't read horror. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't... Uh, I can't, I can't even uh, walk into a room when there's a horror film on. It just uh, creeps me out too much. But apart from uh, not reading that, I've read almost everything else. But I keep coming back to, I enjoy fantasy. I just enjoy that, that particular world because I think you can play with it, uh, play with the themes mm -hmm. so much more easily. Um, and that was what, that's why I chose that particular world. I have, I have other books that are more biographical, you know, more set in today's thing. But for this, this first one, I wanted to play just in that fantasy world. Um, and the academic stuff, you can pull that in anywhere. You know, the, mm -hmm. the academic stuff that I do is all about behaviour, predominantly about behaviour and about environment. And mm -hmm. so... I pour that into my fantasy world and that's what really creates it. So it's my background knowledge. Sometimes, you know, you pick up a, a sci-fi book or you pick up a fantasy book and you think, oh, that can't happen. 
mm-hmm. you know, it, even if you suspend belief, like, you know, there's magic or something like that, and, and you say, well, yes, okay, in this particular world it can happen, like the J.K. Rowling's that you mentioned, um, you sort of suspend belief and you just go along for the ride. That's fine, but it has to all stay intact. And mm-hmm. sometimes you pick up a book and you think, oh, no, the author's gone out of the world. She's done something a little bit different. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, tr- I tried to keep my fantasy world intact. Yes, I'm, I'm one of those people. I definitely agree with you. I'm not into horror at all. I stay away from anything remotely scary. I think I'm the biggest baby out there. <laughs> but sci-fi, I can never really get into it because... I'm exactly like what you were saying. I say, that's not real. That doesn't look real. That would never happen. They can't walk on the space and all. I, you know, I have to, it has to be something that I can believe. So I never really get that into the sci-fi aspect. But then when you start talking about fantasy, I remember reading a lot of fantasy books as a child growing up. So I definitely enjoy fantasy, especially the aspect of being able to create whatever it is that you want. So I'm, in, I'm, I'm sure that was a pleasure. Now, one of the things that you mentioned is that you turned 60 and you said, I've been writing for years, I've been doing this, but I haven't published anything. Often people say that, we say that, but we may not necessarily take the actions to do what's necessary to go ahead and, and finally publish it. What were the next steps that you did once you made the decision to publish your work? Okay, well, it, it's, been, it's been a very long road. Um, first of all, I uh, tried to do the conventional publishing route. You know, I tried to find an agent and I've tried to find a, a publisher. But, you know, it's really, really hard. First of all, you've got to be known before an agent will look at you and you can't be known unless you're published and, you know, you sort of go on this merry-go-round. And the other thing that started really getting to me was the arrogance of the the publishing industry was just Mm -hmm. like somebody, not only me, but other authors as well, haven't spent many, many, many hours and poured themselves into it, you know, and then they've presented this work and it goes into what they call a slush pile I mean you know how demeaning is that a slush pile you know right. and I thought, well I've been on too many slush piles is there another way of doing it and so I decided I'd start self-publishing and okay. um, so I self-published and then of course you discover well yes you're one of five million books that are also self-published on there and Absolutely. how then do you rise above that particular self-publishing file? And I started getting into this community of indie authors. What a wonderful community. It is just fantastic. You know, everybody supports everybody else. And they say, you know, this is how you do it. And um, if you talk to so-and-so, they'll help you with that particular aspect and what have you. But in the end, you know, what, what I found is that the, you have to have a really good product um, mm-hmm. and that I've spent an awful lot of time getting into a really good product. And you also have to make an effort to make yourself known. If you don't make yourself known, then it's like putting a book in the library and then closing the library door and locking it <laughs> and yeah. not letting anybody in. 
Absolutely. So when you say make yourself known, what were some of the steps that you took in order to make yourself known? And I know we don't want to give, give away all your strategies and your secret oh, sauce. Oh, no, look, this is, this is part of the, in the author world, you know, you give away as many strategies as you possibly can. <laughs> because, okay. you know, it's like uh, helping, it's, it's a bit what you're doing, you know, it's, it's uh, helping yes. everybody else to get up. And uh, by helping other people get up, you don't push anybody, you know, you don't push yourself down. You just yes. rise with everybody else. And, Absolutely. Uh, and that's, you know, what I thought, oh, that, that's a cute way of doing it. You're these podcasts that you're doing. I thought, oh, yeah, that's nice. You know, that's, um, so, uh, uh, yeah, I write blogs. Um, and uh, most of those are on my, well, they're all on my website. Mm -hmm. And I've started reaching out to, to other bloggers to say, you know, okay, then I'm here. I've got a lot of stuff in my head. I can um, blog for you as well, if you like. Uh, I play a lot on Instagram. Um, yeah. I think that's a really fun uh, medium to play mm -hmm. on. Mm -hmm. uh, I post a picture almost every day. I I join Instagram with uh, these stories about my dog. My dog and I go walking every morning as so I post that. Mm -hmm. um, I do little giveaways. I've tried a couple of advertising um, things, you know, Amazon advertising and Facebook advertising. I'm on Facebook as well. Mm -hmm. um, look, um, it's all baby steps for me. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I uh, was with my uh, sons the other day and, and uh, I had to do something on my iPhone. And he said, Mum, you know, you know that you are not a millennial. And I said, how do you know that apart from the fact that I don't look like a millennial? And he said, because you type with your finger. I said, well, how am I supposed to do it? <laughs> and he said, we all do it with our thumbs. And so I've taught myself how to do it with my thumbs. <laughs> yes, so, you know, so this, this whole social media thing, which is the way that you make yourself known predominantly nowadays, is... Uh, is new for me. It's uh, it's all baby steps, baby steps. Miriam, I love your attitude about it, though. I love your approach. You're just glowing. You're just smiling, and you're willing to learn even how to do it with your thumbs. Because I watch them. You know, my children are 22 and 25, and they definitely text and do everything with their thumbs. So and you're with one thumb. That's the important bit. You've got to do it with one thumb nowadays. <laughs> Not two, one thumb, and you're on Instagram posting photos. Now, when I speak to different business owners or entrepreneurs, one of the things that they tell me is, I don't know what to post. I can't post anything. You know, I don't have anything interesting to say. And I always ask the question or make the statement, if you don't find anything interesting about your business or your book or your brand or whatever your product or service is, how do you expect your clients to find it interesting? To which I don't usually get an answer but you're including your dog and your walk and your life. What made you decide to just share this part of your life on social media? All right. Well, my, my books mm -hmm. are really um, me sharing what I believe um, is important, mm -hmm. um, but in a fun way. I can stand up in front, and I have stood up in front of, you know, classes of graduate students 
and taught them about ethics. That's, that mm-hmm. was my background, you know, that's what I did my doctorate in, uh, organisational ethics. Mm-hmm. And I spent oh, years and years and years researching about why people behave the way that they do. And um, so I can, I stand there in front of these students and I show them the theories and I get them to do the assignments and stuff like that. But these, these sorts of things are really hard to internalize, to really grasp, unless they become relevant to you. You know, if, if you don't have a context in which you uh, can put these ideas in so that you understand how they fit into your own life, it's really hard to, to assimilate them, to actually make them a part of your life. And so what I tried to do in these books was to say, okay, let's have this particular situation with this particular character, characters, mm-hmm. and then let's turn the world around so that they're faced with these particular situations. How do they behave so that they are behaving in a way that we all would be proud of? Mm-hmm. And then also have in the background, you know, you sort of have these clever people in the background explaining what's actually happening. But do that in a fun way. A lot of people, and I hope this is the case, will pick up my books and they, they'll just have a fun time going through the book. You know, mm-hmm. they, they, won't, they won't even notice that all of this thinking has gone on behind the book. There'll be a few people who'll pick up the book and say, huh, that's what she's doing. You know, and oh, I can see where that's coming from. But I'm hoping all people will come out of that those books and will think to themselves, oh, I'm in this situation and that particular person did it in that way and rationalised it in that way. Maybe I can learn something from that. So that was the rationale behind my, my book. And then when I play on Instagram, you know, you were making that remark about they don't know what to post. Mm-hmm. When I was learning on Instagram, that was one of the things that... Um, they're saying people can put up photos, but they don't know what to put on the caption. Mm-hmm. Well, I look at some of the photos and I think, well, that's interesting. I'd have difficulty putting something on that caption as well. But why do I take a photo? I take a photo because it inspires me. Why does it inspire me? It inspires me because X, Y, Z, and that's my caption. Whatever inspires you. That's whatever inspired me to take that particular photo. And wow. it, it's not a made up photo. I usually, it's usually a photo, you know, like yesterday I was walking on the beach. I'm walking along and I'm thinking, what, what are they, what's that? And it was a couple of um, leaves that had blown down and it was just on the sand. They were just two leaves all by themselves. And I thought, wow, those two leaves, they're just stranded. This, they haven't got any companions. They're all by themselves, you know. I mean, these are the stupid things that go on in my head. <laughs> Interesting. Intriguing. So I took a photo of it and I put it up on, on, um, on Instagram. And I said, these two leaves remind me that I'm in my third book. And for the past three days, I've got my character stranded on top of the cliff. And I still haven't found the time to get them off the cliff. <laughs> so it's a cliffhanger. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, two leaves stranded, two characters stranded on top of the cliff. I love it's it. It's a stupid way that my mind works. 
not stupid at all, very interesting, very unique, very different. And if you are just now tuning in to Ask Sharifa Videocast, we are speaking with Miriam Burbeck and we're discussing her trilogy. The first of two, the two, the first two of three are out now. And so that's what we're discussing. So give us the name of your first and second book, please, Miriam. The first book is called Sky Seeker Spring Princess, Sky Seeker Princess. Mm -hmm. And the second book is called Ulruch. Much a difference. Sky Seeker Princess and Ulruch. Okay, so how do we come up with these names? Okay, so on this world, there are two human societies and one non-human society. It's an Antarctic island. It's set in today's world. And the two societies, one of them lives above ground, one of them lives below ground. Mm -hmm. The ones that live above ground are, are called sky seekers, mm -hmm. and the ones that live below ground are called the crystal makers. Okay. And the, the story, the main protagonist, the main heroine in the story, is mm -hmm. a highborn sky seeker, mm -hmm. but she's also a half blood. Her grandmother is a crystal maker. So she's a refugee. She finds herself in this very difficult situation of having to try and, you know, bring the two societies together. So she's not, she's a highborn. She could be the king, king um, what is it, the queen? They're called, the, and the queen is called Ulruch. When that's, you initially, that's how the second name came about. When you initially began the trilogy, did you plan to write a trilogy or did you start to write the first book, complete the, the first book and say, there's so much more I have to add, so much more that I can tell of this story? Or was it something you decided from the beginning? Oh, no. Look, I knew how the story began and I knew how the story finished. And um, I just started writing. And... Um, then, you know, I sort of put in lots of other characters and stuff like that. And uh, the, the book just grew and grew and grew. And then the, um, I thought, okay, I've got, I've got it sort of, you know, by that time it was sort of 200,000 words long. <laughs> and I gave it to an editor. Um, and um, the editor said, well, I would break it at this particular point. So I had it already in several parts, but she said, make this the first book, make this the second book. And then if you've got up, you know, to finish it off, make it into the third book. So it was really the editor's idea. Otherwise you'd have something, you know, like war and peace. <laughs> <laughs> we need a good war and peace these days. <laughs> yeah, there are lots of war and pieces around, but they're very heavy to hold. Even an e-book, you know, you're sort of thinking, God, is this thing ever going to finish? <laughs> sort of yes, absolutely. Now, roughly 200,000 words. How long did it take you to write this? How long did it take you to write? Did you write it all at once? You know, because, you know, my mother and I, we joke that she's been, she's been writing her book for 30 years. You know, she's always in the process of writing this book. Did you start, finish, wrap it up, it's done? Or did you start the process, you know, maybe get writer's block, get a little distracted and come back to it? What was the process like for you? It was the latter. I, I, um, 
I was at it for a long time. Mm-hmm. And it, I must have, it must have been 15, 20 years ago when mm-hmm. I got the, the germ of the idea. And, um, and then in between doing consultancies, lectures, what have you, I'd write a chapter or, mm-hmm. you know, a scene or something like that. And then when I was telling you earlier that when I got to 60, I thought, well, this is crazy. I've got to do something about this. And so that's when I gathered all the pieces together. And I said, let's start making this into a book. And then it took me, I guess, about two years to get that first 200,000 words together and then to polish the two books mm-hmm. um, and then get them, get them out. Mm-hmm. And by that time i had a much better idea about how does this whole publishing world look you can ask me about the academic world and i can tell you how it all works right the -hmm. fiction world is entirely different it's like another world and i just really i thought wow you know i've got to go back to school i've got to learn all about this because it is just so different and so i had i was the last couple of years, I guess, I've been predominantly working on that, learning about how that world works. And um, my writing has taken a little bit of a backseat, which is why the third one is taking a while to get going. But I'm hoping that that'll be out by the end of this year. Okay, well, where can people purchase your first two books? They're available everywhere. They're all, um, Amazon has got them, Kobo has got them, iBooks has got them, uh, Barnes and Noble, you can get them through anywhere that has uh, eBooks mm-hmm. for, uh, for sale. You can just download them. Um, it's just those two and I'm the only Miriam Fribeek around. <laughs> so you either type in the names of those books or you type in my name and those books will come up. They're available not only in the US, but they're available all around the world as well. And um, you can also get them as print on demand from Amazon through CreateSpace. And Ingram Spark also has them print on demand. So you can get them in paperback or as ebooks or as, co- uh, as, as Kindle. Mm-hmm. Wow, congratulations. I'm, I'm proud that you completed it as opposed to spinning so that picture. My, so am I. <laughs> no, I, I love to see authors. I'm an author. I just published my first book, Signs You Might Be an Entrepreneur. Oh, I so saw I, that. Yes, definitely. This is my primary focus right now. So author to author, what was it like for you when you first published your book and you had to go out and promote your book and talk about your book? What was that like for you? Terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not a marketer. (laughs) I've never had to do marketing. My my husband and I ran a consultancy for a long time and Mm -hmm. he was the one that was always the front man. And Mm -hmm. I would, you know, do the the background work. I am not a marketer at all. I remember I had I had these these paperback books and I thought, now courage in hand, Miriam, you know. You go down uh, to the local bookstore and you show them your books and you say, ask, ask them to put it onto your bookshelf, mm-hmm. onto their bookshelf. <clears throat> so I got these books, you know, and I stood outside that bookstore for so long because I thought, oh, this is so scary. This is so scary. <laughs> and I 
went into the bookstore and um, waited till it was empty, <laughs> so there was nobody else around. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, um, I pulled the book out and I said, well, I've written these books and um, uh, I was wondering if you'd put them onto your bookshelf. And the lady gave me this big smile and she picked it up and she said, oh, what a beautiful cover. She said, well done, congratulations. What's the book about? And I was so surprised by her, by, you know, her reception of the book that I had no idea what the book was about. I'd forgotten. <laughs> I just stood there and looked at her like a fish out of water. <laughs> so that, that was, um, it was very scary. And then what, what happened? I mean, I'm, I'm sitting on the edge of my seat. You, you forgot what the book was about. You have an opportunity. So what happened next? Well, I eventually did gather myself together and garble something. I have no idea what I said. And she said, sure, I'll put it on the, on the shelf, you know, and how much do you want to charge? You know, I didn't even ask. I didn't even mm-hmm. know how much I should charge for the book. And she said, well, how much did you pay for it? And I thought, oh, yeah, that's right. It was around about $12 for me to get it. And she said, okay, and we'll put, you know, 60 cents, or, what is it, 60% or something on top of that book. And, and then she got my details. I didn't even have my details that she could pay me, this sort of stuff. You know, I mean, it was just crazy thinking back on it, how, how innocent, how, how totally I didn't know how to do this. Um, so, uh, yeah, she put it on, on uh, the bookshelf and immediately... My friends went out and bought it, <laughs> and that that, the first that uh, yeah, the first money that I earned from it. Um, and the Kindle books, you know, or the, the 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 e-books, I put them up there, and I thought, good job done. Because it isn't; <laughs> it's not job done right. at all. Um, right. Because when I had a look, you know, and then I learned that have a look at the ranking of it, and I had a look, and I thought, four million three hundred and twenty-two. <laughs> nobody's ever going to find that book and so you know that was that was how do you actually get it to float up and that's that's it's it's difficult it's difficult you know 10 years ago <clears throat> I think that you could actually just put something up mm-hmm. on, uh, on Kindle or wherever else and people were so desperate to find work that they would that to find books of all sorts that it would just get up there but um, it's not like that now I think it's just no. like going into a library and having a look at, you know, what's around and what the librarian um, recommends that they should read and that sort of stuff. So that was yeah. what my experience was. No, it is very interesting because one of the things that I mention to people is that we have this fear of getting our books into brick and mortar stores like the library, Barnes and Nobles, the local store. And when I first published my book, I, I was so nervous. I called Barnes and Nobles and I'm and I wanted to get a book signing and I had pumped myself up. I had created this oh, whole even you, even you did that. <laughs> I did and I and I had this whole description of when what I wanted to say and why why they should take it and why it's the best thing since sliced bread. And I said, I want a book signing. And their response to me was, well, let us check the, the next available date. And I wanted, I'm like, wait a minute, I didn't even tell you what the book is about. And it's like, okay, well, I'm finding, you know, it wasn't as hard or as difficult as I had thought it would be. It wasn't as hard as, or as difficult as I would, you know, my fears told me you'll never get into it. But most bookstores, 
what they're looking for is content. They're looking for new books, new authors, you know, just new energy to come into the store. So if you have a book signing, that's wonderful because that brings new people, new eyes into the store. So all they care about is the next available date. So I was just kind of awestruck. And I was like, hmm, I'll put this little nugget away for future reference. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I, I hadn't thought of that aspect of it. So I've learned something now. Thank you. Yes, it, it was very interesting. Very interesting. It's not too difficult at all to actually get the book signing, but it's a little bit more difficult to do the work because you're standing in front of people now. You have your book that you worked on so hard and you want people to like it, you want people to show up. So it can be, you know, very, you can be, be, it can be very nerve-wracking, let me just say that. But I just applaud you for continuing and continuing to try. Now, you also, in the academic world, you speak to students as well, correct? Oh, yes, yes. Well, um, more so uh, previously than now. Um, mm -hmm. So I, um, I've done a lot of things in my life. <laughs> it happens when you get older, isn't it? <laughs> yes, I know that um, feeling. Yeah, so when I finished my doctorate and even throughout doing my doctorate, because I, I have, um, my initial thing was that I did a master in business administration. <clears throat> so I used to do a lot of strategy, lecturing and stuff like that. And then when I finished my doctorate, I worked in the Department of Philosophy and mm -hmm. uh, taught um, my brand of organizational ethics <clears throat> to master's students. And so that was, um, that was what I did for 10, 15 years. Um, mm -hmm. as, and then I ran an environmental center for quite some time. Uh, and then we moved into the country, <clears throat> excuse me. And I didn't really want to do that. You know, you burn out when you work with a lot of volunteers. It, it's just, you give them a finger and they take the hand and then they take your body and then they take your brain. You know, it's sort of, it's, it's, it's really, really hard work. And I just wanted to step back from doing all of that. And that was when I started editing. So because I of my academic background, the easiest thing for me to do was then to start doing academic editing. And it also keeps the brain involved. You know, there are, there are topics that people, that academics do. I didn't even know those topics existed. And, you know, I pick up their work and I think not only does it exist, people have been studying this for 30, 40 years, you know. It's like they've been studying the, the eighth back leg of a spider. <laughs> and there are all these books about it and articles, you know, and journals about it. And it's absolutely fascinating. So it's, yes. it's a great profession to be in. It, it seems as if it brings you a lot of joy. Now, the reason I asked about the students um, is because I know it has to be very inspiring. So whether it's inspiring to your students or your family, was, was there anyone or any situation that stands out in particular where someone said, you know what, you went ahead and published your book, you went ahead and became an author, and because you did it, now I have the courage to go ahead and do this. No, no, because... It's, um, I, I, the, my student days are over, really. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, those, that, that tight contact that I have with, with students is over. Um, 
the whole writing experience for me has been fairly solitary. It's been mm-hmm. something that I've done. And then when I published it, that was also solitary. Um, mm-hmm. My boys have been fantastic. They've, they've, you know, my son did my um, uh, website for me. Um, and uh, they talk up my books, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, gradually getting to, to know other writers, which is um, um, interesting. <laughs> And uh, the, that's the sort of thing that I've been getting from other writers was, oh, how did you do that? Can, mm-hmm. Is that something I can do? What have you learnt? You know, and maybe I can do that as well. So I'm beginning to get that a little bit. Um, but it's early days. It's early days. I wish I could be more inspirational, but I think that I have to be a bit more clever before I can be inspirational. No, I don't think it comes down to being clever. I think it comes down to actually completing the process. Even when we know how to how to do the self-publishing, there are people who say, you know, I don't know how to do it. I don't know if I can do it. It's, I think it's, uh, it's one of those things like diving into the pool or jumping into the pool. We all just want to sit on the side of the pool, maybe stick our toe in every now and then, write a few chapters, but never actually get in the pool. So it's always inspiring when you see someone come and do that double backflip into the pool. You're like, wow, two books. This is, you know, this is cool. I can do it. So, I mean, I, it's inspiring to me. It's definitely inspiring to me because I love, I want to go and publish another book, write another book, because I just love this whole, like you said, independent authors. What are some of the strategies and tips that were shared um, with you in this community? Um, so the first thing, the first way that I, I came into it was um, I went to a, uh, um, a workshop uh, uh, that was put on by the, the, um, the National Association for Authors. Mm-hmm. And um, it was on uh, Twitter. How, okay. how to use Twitter, okay? And um, I thought, hmm, okay, so there is this, this sort of, I was so ignorant. I really was so ignorant mm-hmm. about all of this sort of world, you know, <laughs> sort of, it was really, I knew how to work my phone, but I didn't know about all those other apps on my phone. And I'd hear mm-hmm. people talking about, and I had a Facebook account, but that was really just so that I had, I could keep in touch with my kids who, who have flown the coop. Um, <laughs> And, you know, so, so they started talking about Twitter and I thought, oh, okay, I wonder what this Twitter business is. So, you know, I sort of started playing around a little bit with Twitter <clears throat> and I did a course on Twitter. And then I, I thought, oh, that's really interesting. I wonder if there's more of this sort of stuff. And I came across this fabulous course um, that's done by Mark Dawson. I'll, I'll, I'll um, just give him a little bit of a, a plug because he's just been amazing. And... Um, they go through step by step of, of how you do the publishing process. You know, that right from holding your hand virtually and, you know, saying, well, now you press this button and then you press that button. And then they also talk about <clears throat> how you do the advertising, you know, how you advertise on Amazon, how you advertise on Facebook, what sorts of metrics you've got to look at. Um, so that was really how I started learning about this very complex, it's extremely complex world of um, the indie publisher. Because when, you're, when you self-publish, as you, as you very well know, 
is um, you're not only the author, <clears throat> you're also the marketer. Correct. And, and um, that if, if you're an author, you're generally an introvert, which is what I am. So marketing is just a totally, it's another world. You just don't know mm -hmm. it. And so these, that's what this, this community of mm -hmm. introverts <clears throat> got together and said, well, you know, I've got this particular tip. And so they'll talk about it and they'll say, you know, oh, Amazon's changed its rules again. And mm -hmm. I'll get onto Facebook and they'll talk about it and said, oh, you know, you've got to press these particular buttons and don't bother doing that because that doesn't work anymore. So it's really, <laughs> the thing that I've learned is that in order to be able to work in this particular field, you've got to be connected because everybody has a little piece of the puzzle. And if you stay connected, then you can pick up those pieces of the puzzle and put it together for yourself. Uh, <clears throat> and that's probably the biggest lesson that I've learned. The biggest lesson is, is pick up some of those little tips, strategies, pieces of the puzzle and put it all together and get out there and start promoting your book. But also it, it is about being connected with other people. I mm -hmm. think that, that that is really a, I think that's what I've learned about social media. Social media is about connecting. It's not about promoting yourself. Yes, yeah, sure, you promote yourself, but it's really being friends with everybody and saying, mm -hmm. look, I've got something, you know, and I like what you do. Um, do you like what I do? Uh, you know, it's sort of, it's, it's that, that thing that I said at the beginning, you know, you're pulling, everybody's pulling each other up. It's not about trying to climb on top of the pile. Yes, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful advice, words to live by. Now, Miriam, please give us the name of your books again and where people can find them. The, the name of the first book is Skyseeker Princess. Just a minute. That's what it looks like? Yes, Skyseeker Princess, Miriam Verbeck. Resilience, yep. friendship, love, even in the darkest times. Mm -hmm. And the second book has a more difficult name. Ulrich. In the face of ruin. So it, and they are part of what I call the, the Sea Emperor series because that's the world. It's called Sea mm -hmm. Emperor. And um, uh, the, the Skyseeker Princess is the storyteller because she loves writing stories. Um, she's not anything like me, by the way. I like stories. <laughs> she's much better than me. And, um, and the web cleaner is her grandmother, who is the oh, crystal wow. maker. So it's the Sea Emperor, the storyteller, and the web cleaner is the series. Did you try or come up with different names before deciding on those? You know, I was just going to call it um sea emperor sea emperor one two three four and um the uh editor said well that makes no sense you know nobody knows what sea emperor is um also not a very easy name to to say come up with something else and so <laughs> i sort of you know rummaged around in my brain and i thought well how about sky seeker princess and uh, i said oh yeah that's fine the only difficulty with sky seeker princess is that it sounds like a, um, uh, a young adult novel. And it's not really young adult. Um, it's not that, that a young adult wouldn't enjoy it, but there mm -hmm. is some pretty 
um, adult themes in there. N not in terms of, I mean, there is a rape scene in there, but that, that's, that's the only horrid scene. Um, mm. There, it's, uh, it's, just, it's just pretty meaty. Mm. It's an enjoyable book, but it, well, I think it's an enjoyable book. I hope other people think it's an enjoyable book. <laughs> but it, it's, I don't, it hasn't got that, um, um, the fluffiness of uh, mm. a young adult book. Oh, wow. Well, now, Miriam, we are coming down to the last few minutes of the show. And what I like to do at the end of every show is just allow my guests the opportunity to speak directly to the viewers, to the people watching this show, in the archives, watching it live, and let them know what you like for them to take away from your interview. Oh, goodness. I wish you had given me some warning about that. <laughs> <laughs> best part to find out what you want to say to the world unscripted unplanned unrehearsed <laughs> look i suppose i suppose what i'd i'd like is um, most of all is for the people to pick up my books and 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 um hopefully enjoy them but to tell me um in their reviews or in an email or on facebook or whatever um, what what they think about my book to give me really good feedback because I am really wanting to be an author that um, entertains people, you know, mm -hmm. entertains them at many levels, uh, as well as giving them some escapism, also gives them something to think about so that when they finish the book, they go away and think, ah, oh, I enjoyed that book and that they can think about the things in the book over and over rather than, okay, what's the next book? Mm -hmm. that, that I'd, I'd really like that. And, and so for me, feedback is really important. <clears throat> it's, um, it's the stuff that helps me to become a better writer so that the next time I do a book, I know that I'm giving even more pleasure and more meat to, mm -hmm. sorry for all the vegetarians. What's, what's the vegetarian <laughs> thing to, uh, for meat? Oh, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm a carnivore, so I don't know what their lingo is at all. I speak steak and, and potatoes, good old American home cooked meals. <laughs> but I just want to ask you, one of the things that you mentioned just kind of jumped out at me because as an author, people kept asking, what's the next book? I'm like, wait a minute, I, I just published this one in March. You know, I'm, not, I'm trying to promote it. I'm trying to get, get it out there. And people ask, what's your next book? What are you going to do next? Are you going to write it? Have, have people asked you the same question? Well, yes. <laughs> so, so apart from yeah, the, the book that, um, that a number of the readers have said, well, you know, I, I want to know what happens next. So that, mm -hmm. that's part of the trilogy. Um, when I finish this trilogy, I'm actually going to write a, a, a book that is not fantasy at all. And mm -hmm. I've got the first one of that actually done, but that's, that's a five um five books book <laughs> uh that's uh set in australia and i want to extend this this particular lady is a um an interpreter so mm -hmm. there's a lot more in there about um you know world events and things like that because that's interpreters go around and, and the world a lot more and so there's a lot more historical and then there's another book that i've I'm also playing around with, which is much more 
Look, I live in an area that is just stunning. I think it's where paradise touches the earth. It is just oh, wow. so beautiful. And I've bushwalked through there. You know, I've enjoyed animals. I've enjoyed birds. I've enjoyed the countryside. And so the book is really trying to show that, but through the eyes of somebody who's lived there the whole time and her adventures. So they're, they're the books that are rummaging around in my head at present and in bits and pieces in my filing cabinet and on my computer and all that sort of stuff. No, it sounds interesting. Now, I love what you said about where you live. I was reading someone, someone, something someone shared yesterday and they were talking about Long Beach, um, where, which is where I live, Long Beach, California. And they said, we live where millions of people would love to vacation. And I was like, you know what? That is so true. You know, walking distance from the beach, this, you know, where the Queen Mary is, millions of people come here for a vacation and we call it home. So sometimes you do have to take a look around and go, you know what? This is a little bit of heaven on earth. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? It's, it and it's, it's great if you can appreciate that um, that's where you, you live because then you look after it better, don't you? Absolutely. So what is your website address again, please, Miriam? www.miriamferbeek, so M-I-R-I-A-M-V-E-R-B-E-E-K, it's just my name, .com. That's right. So all our listeners out there, everyone watching, please go to miriamverbeck.com. Check out the first two books of the trilogy. Which you can also buy from the MEP website. Yes, yes. Go ahead and make that purchase. And once you do, please do not forget the part about the review or the feedback. Miriam definitely wants to hear from you. And we want your feedback so we can see what else Miriam has coming up in the future. And maybe she'll be able to incorporate something you said into what she's doing in the future. Miriam, I definitely want to thank you for being a guest on this afternoon's episode of Ask Sharifa Videocast. Thank you very much. It's been fun. You are so welcome. It has been my pleasure. I know our viewers enjoyed it. I want to thank everyone for tuning in to today's episode. I definitely want to thank our sponsor, Fireball Approves. Before you rent any property, whether it's a travel vacation property, a rental property for your vacation or your next apartment, make sure it's a legit offer and not an online scam. Visit fireballapproves.com for rental verification. If you're interested in watching more of my interviews for sponsorship opportunities or to be a guest, visit the website at asksharifa.com. Until then, everyone have a wonderful day. Goodbye now. When you're looking to buy or rent a property, you need fireballapproves.com. They protect you against renter fraud and much more. Give us a call today at 904-580-6740 before you shop. If Fireball approves it, then you can rest assured that it's a safe deal. Why go anyplace else? With over 20 years of experience, you bet we've got your back. That's fireballapproves.com. Don't get scammed. Make sure Fireball approves. Agency number A180.
If you want to take your business to the next level, then you need InTheNewsPR.com. It's the perfect PR agency that can increase your business exposure, along with your media interest through thoughtful storytelling and strategic media campaigns. That's InTheNewsPR.com. Give us a call at 562-822-0965 and see how we can get your company in the news. From marketing and social media to public relations and interviews, we've got it covered. That's InTheNewsPR.com. Make sure everyone knows your business.